0: welcome Mr. Malcolm Sinclair. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure for me to introduce to you one of my very favourite actors, Malcolm Sinclair, who never gives anything less than brilliant performances. And you can savour one at the moment, that is, if you haven't seen it already, as Sir Ralph Bonington Bloomfield, Bloomfield, uh, no, Bonington? No, no, uh,
1: Bloomfield Bonington.
0: Bloomfield Bonington. Bloomfield Bonington, a can't... very superior sort of gentleman in this sparkling revival of Shaw's The Doctor's Dilemma, on which magnificent set we are currently sat. Uh, I think Malcolm's a long association with the National. Did it go back as far as Racing Demon in It 1990? goes back a bit further.
1: I, my first, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the year now, I think it was about 87, 86. I did a they did a joint production with the Vic of the misanthrope. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, with Edward Petherbridge, and I arrived playing a sort of rather nasty Marquis, who had this two and a half page, no, one and a half page rhyme
0: couplet speech, which went down <laughs> quite well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I got Racing Demon from that. Right, very good. But and I think of all the shows you've done at the National, I would single out, in particular, Ickborne's House, yeah. in which you played an extremely creepy individual. <laughs> Gavin yes. Ringmain, a popular Tory novelist, too. No, no connection with any other popular Tory novelist. No, I, I think don't. I
1: th- no, Al. I, mm-hmm. think it was, I think there was a mixture of uh, uh, mm-hmm. let's
0: name names: Jeffrey Archer,
1: but it was, and also mm-hmm. a bit of uh, Peter Mandelson uh, yes. was in there. Mm-hmm. No, we had a, and it wasn't just house, of course. It was garden. Cause yes, because we, we did the show here, mm-hmm. and then we toddled along, and at the, on the same on the same evening, did the show in the um, in the Olivia. I a- actually asked for. Um, because we get performance money. Mm-hmm. So I said, why well, don't we shouldn't we be getting two performance monies a night? <laughs> and, um, and they said, no, 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 you know, no one else has ever asked asked for that. I said, but you're getting two houses, you know. And I, they said, you're the only actor mm-hmm. that has raised that. And of course, we jo- I joined the company, everybody had raised it.
0: <laughs> and now, of course, that's why you ended up as president of <laughs> yeah, Equity, is, presumably, yeah. Malcolm. One of the, <laughs> certainly, one, certainly one of the reasons. Ask yeah. awkward questions. But Malcolm was, is, of course, equally busy on television, and only in the last couple of weeks you may have seen him as the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Shakespeare Henrys and in Parade's End on Friday nights, and a particularly vicious character in Silk. And I have to say that Malcolm does have a great talent for playing nasty people. You do. Is it because, I know you're such a sweet man in private life, but do you get rid of all your sort of darker side by...
1: I don't right. know. Yes. I don't
0: know. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I do. I play a lot
1: of um, I play a lot of upper class shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I don't mm-hmm. know why. Partly because I enjoy playing them so much. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's, I mean, the best parts are the devil's parts. The best mm-hmm. parts are the are the, are the nasty ones on the whole. And um, and of course, a lot of the a lot of the, the villains are actors anyway. Mm-hmm. In in a sense, they're all, you know the calculation of doing damage to somebody is a sort of, there's a, a, a similarity, maybe, without being too pompous, mm. about uh, you know, what you do as an actor. I don't know why. But then, I, you know, so I do play genial people. I mean, oh, Sir, oh, Ralph's,
0: yeah. Sir Ralph's pretty genial. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> his heart's in the right place. But actually, going back to, to Gavin, the, ring main, the performance which rightly won you the Clarence Derwent Award, mm. I mean, when you're playing a character like that, is it? it's often been said that acting is a kind of moral judgment that the actor passes on the character, but at the same time, isn't an actor's job to look at the world through the point of view of the character, irrespective of whether he's a good guy or a bad guy?
1: Yes, I think. I mean, I, with a bit of luck, you try and do both. Yeah. I mean, not only for bad people, but for stupid people. I mean, I'm sort mm-hmm. of playing a stupid person at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, who thinks he's terribly intelligent. And um, and so, at the same time, as as, as you was never betray. It's, it's this extraordinary game. Is it? You, was ne- the char- you must never betray as a character. That you're, that you're being vile or that you're being stupid. But as the actor, you, mustn't, you know the effect that you're having. Mm-hmm. The other thing I quite like, and I like actors who do it, is, I don't, I, or rather I should say, I don't like actors who want to be loved on stage, mm-hmm. who come on and want the audience to go, oh, aren't they nice? Mm-hmm. I find that very irritating. <laughs> and uh, I, want, I,
0: want, I want a bit of, especially with the young actors now I watch them, I want a bit of insolence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll provide plenty of that, ladies and gentlemen. But I should also say it's about one of the rare times I can actually address someone by the term Mr. President because you yeah. are, and re- recently, successfully re-elected President of Equity, which must take up a lot of your time as well. Well,
1: it t- it does and It doesn't. I mean, it, depending on what's going mm-hmm. on. I mean, I don't. Obviously, the staff run the union. I'm there to chair. I mean, my basic job is to chair meetings, make speeches, bang the drum, give advice, mm-hmm. and do a lot, a lot of emails. And I, before I stood for this, it was. Um, I mean, a lot of you will remember her. Miriam Carlin was... got me, Mm -hmm. bullied me, morally bullied me into doing (laughs) it. Because she said, you've got the time, darling. You you, you owe it to you. And I do. And I I now bully people in turn about paying their dues and, you know, stepping up to the mark. And uh, and when I... Before I stood, I said to the staff, I said, you know, my work will always come first. You have to understand that. If I get a job, I'm going to be doing it. And they said, that's what we want. Mm. We want someone who's absolutely... Who's in the rehearsal room... You know, going to the theatre, in the studio, uh, who's talking to actors, who knows what's going on, especially because the industry at the moment is changing so rapidly, mm-hmm. particularly the mechanical industries. And so the fact that I'm out and about and touch wood, working, you know, that's useful to them.
0: Well, let's go back. Now, am I right in thinking there's, particularly since you've played a few ecclesi- ecclesiasticals in your time, it is a family business, is it not? Well, not exactly. Far-
1: my, my brother's a bishop. Yes.
0: <laughs> I don't know why that's funny,
1: but it is. <laughs> um, He's—I have—I always sort of say he's a Suffragan bishop because he's mm. not a, a diocesan bishop. Though who knows? Mm. And uh, yeah, and of course I have played cardinals, mm. archbishops, bishops, clergymen. Mm. It's—I had a—I had a, a, a great grandfather who was a Baptist clergyman, but the whole Anglican thing—I I don't know. I mean, it's a particular. I mean, I'm very—you know—I—I I, I do play a lot of a, a particular. I do. I like playing sort of English types. Mm. And there's a, the English clergyman type or the English military type I do. You know what I mean? I just, I sort of, I, I know, I was brought up in the 50s and 60s by seeing all the, those character actors like Thorley Walters yes. or Raymond Huntley. Mm. Or, and I, I realised now <laughs> I'm turning <laughs> you, into them. <laughs> you <rather> t-
0: <laughs> well, you could do a lot worse. No, oh, indeed. I loved Thorley <laughs> Walters. He was a funny, funny actor. Yes, yes. But you also read, as well as drama, you read theology as well. God, you university. have done your research. So that that tells me that an interest in religion. I've always had it. Yes, part. I I have always had
1: it. Though I'm I'm not religious myself at the moment, uh, uh, but I, no, it's always been there. I don't know where where that comes from. I have a sort of, and I suppose the union thing. Oh God, it sounds so pompous to say, it, but you know, I do have a sort of moral view of the world, mm-hmm. and I I and. <laughs> And when I see very bad acting, I I'm morally disapprove of <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, I do. I realise. Mm. I, I get furious. <laughs> well, I suppose it's not... I mean, there's a great deal, I suppose. What, a bad acting? No, no, not no. Well, there is, that's true. None of it here, though, I hasten no, no, to no, add. No, no, no. no, no. But I mean, you, there is a, a certain connection between the theatre and a certain type of religiosity. Indeed, uh, and of course the liturgy yeah. and uh, the ceremony and,
1: and all, all the ceremonial all rights. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, and I love all that. And I have mm-hmm. given my brother notes on his sermon. <laughs> How did that go down? Uh, I was maybe more right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just thought he was... I said, you're pitching your voice a bit high, not using your real voice, mm-hmm. which is what actually has been said, to, you know, when one is a young actor, sometimes it's said to you, why don't you just use the, your natural voice mm-hmm. rather
0: than putting it somewhere that which you think's more effective but isn't? Mm. Now, but a name like Malcolm Sinclair, isn't there a sort of Scottishness? In yes, my,
1: my father was a Scot mm. uh, from the far north of Scotland. Uh, and uh, my first name's Donald, actually, as was my father's, but um, uh, and named after a grandfather who died just before I was born. And, um, but I... Apparently, Equity said there was a, a Donald yes. Sinclair around, so I'm Malcolm Sinclair. Anyway, I, I've always sort of been Malcolm Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I'm, you know, but I'm... I always thought I was rather Scottish and I spent, you know, my childhood, I spent time with my family up there, but I realised that I was absolutely English when uh, I was doing a a season at the Birmingham Rep and I had some friends at Stratford and I was going down on the bus at at dusk and I saw the sun go down over Warwickshire and I went, Oh, no, I'm English. <laughs> I just sort of, I thought, oh, no, yes. I'm English, really. Cause I've been you know, born and brought up in London.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose you were in the middle of Middle England and Warwickshire. Yeah. You can't get much yeah. more middle than that. But after Hull, you went off to the Bristol Old Vic. So yeah, then
1: I did, I, did, I mm-hmm. got my, uh, my first, I got my equity card, which, of course, you had to in those days. Mm. Uh, those were wonderful days. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, at Hull. What, what became Hull Truck, at yeah. the, uh, the mm-hmm. Hull Art Centre in Spring Street. And then I did Children's Theatre, which... I hope there's nobody involved in children's. It absolutely <laughs> killed me. And I just thought, if I keep doing this, I will shoot myself. So then I went to the risk little because I did a one-year course. And, of course, in those days, one could get a grant for it, mm-hmm. and which is what is so difficult now for you know, kids trying to get into the business, is the whole business of loans and grants and all of is much more fraught. But I managed to do... Um, Uh, 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 I got a year at the Bristol Old Vic School. And that was very interesting, particularly doing the play now, because David Calder, who was Mm -hmm. also in the play, was there about three years before, and we were both... A man now called Nat Brenner ran it, who was a a mentor of Petro Tools, actually, who was a great shabian actor. Mm. And Nat said to all of us as we arrived, we're going to teach you how to play comedy here. We're going to teach you how to play comedy here, because you can play comedy, you can play anything. And he's absolutely right. So we didn't do Shakespeare, we did Ben Jonson, And then we did a lot of Waller restoration, and we did you know, Goldsmith, and we did Shaw. And at Hull, in the university drama department, I had sort of got the impression, everybody thought that Shaw was a colossal bore. Mm. Because when you read Shaw, especially the plays, they don't quite seem as funny as they, you think they ought to be. But if the moment you start playing them, they're suddenly extremely funny. Um, and on Sunday, last Sunday matinee, I had an old actor called Patrick Godfrey here. His wife said he, she hadn't heard him laugh so much, mm-hmm. she said, for years. I went, oh, dear. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, so we were taught comedy. I mean, you know, I mean, ha- as much as you can teach it. But th- those are the plays we worked on. And we had a man there. When Peter was, when I was there, Peter O'Toole was doing The Apple Cart. And uh, a man called David Fithian, who was a crotchety old bugger, who came? Who was, going to, who was about to direct it, Came and took our students to it, and we would read the play to him, and every line he would go, No, no, no! it's da 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 Can't you hear that? And we go, No! And eventually mm-hmm. we began to hear it, it
0: got like riding it. a
1: bike, you know. Yes. And once you get it, you can't believe that you didn't
0: understand how it went. Mm. But there you did. So rep was still relatively. I did seven years rep, and you did seven.
1: And that, I was unusual, even in my generation, even then. Most of my contemporaries were crouching in London, you know, Mm -hmm. waiting for the whatever. And I was just so surprised to be offered work that I just did it, you Mm -hmm. know. And so, I I mean, I went to Birmingham, Sheffield, York, Nottingham, Leicester. I think they're the main ones, apart from Bristol. And, you know, and I played Benedict and Pierre Gint and Hamlet and,
0: you know, Long Day's
1: Journey into Night and, I mean, all these vast parts. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> which nobody saw. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and does that, you know, as they used to say, did you learn your craft? I did. That, did and did and, I a- work, and then, see, the difference, first of all, the difference now is there
1: are few, far fewer reps. Mm. And in those days, you could just about make a living playing the reps. And so there were a lot of older actors in the reps you were working with, and you'd watch them. Mm-hmm. Now what? Because people can't really afford to do it, the youngsters go up there, and they are, they're not enough of
0: the, of the older generation who can pass it on. Mm-hmm. Right. But you eventually did get... I think it was Anatole, the schnitzler play that you did. God that you
1: Oh God, yes. Mm. I did. I, 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 hadn't, of... I hadn't played London at all. And I, about my second rep, I went up to Sheffield. And we did a production of As You Like It. And Alan Rickman had just come out of Radar and uh, was playing jake And I was playing Orlando. You can tell how long ago that was. <laughs> and, um, and Ruby Wax, would you believe, was playing Audrey. And... Um, Anyway, well. I kept mm. in touch with Alan, and mm. Alan was offered this, this Schnitzer play at the gate, and he said, No, I can't do it because I'm doing something else. Mm. I think you should have Malcolm Sinclair. And so mm-hmm. that's how I got him. And then the RSC saw me. And
0: yes, and, and then you were off, really. And I was
1: sort of off. But you know, I'd been doing it then for about 12, 13 years, 14 years. And, so, but so you so felt was... you were
0: right, that you were ripe for kind of making that breakthrough. Yeah,
1: then. and Schnitzer, you see, it was a very good thing for me to do because Schnitzer is a sort, has a sort of dry comedy, mm. which when you look at it, you have to have a certain frame of mind, a sort of understanding of it, to understand that it was funny. Mm. And I realized it was terribly funny.
0: And I suppose the first big telly I remember you doing was uh, Pie in the Sky. Yeah. Another unsympathetic character, <laughs> the assistant chief counsel who made poor old Butcher Griffiths, detective yeah, chef, life of misery, as far as. <laughs> as yeah, far that as was I could fun. I'd
1: done, I'd, I'd done years mm-hmm. before, it sort of rather came and went, actually. I did one of those Sunday afternoon classic serials of *The Prisoner of Zender, play, oh, yes. playing both of them, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, "Oh, here we go. This is all going to be marvelous." Nada after <laughs> nothing. About <laughs> <laughs> four years, nothing. Obviously, it wasn't very good. <laughs> so, and then anyway, yes, and then I did um, *Pie in the Sky* for about four or five years, and we would have gone, we would have done another couple of series. Because I, I look, I've, I've looked at it recently, and I think it's pretty
0: good. Well, yes, I mean, it was a bit, I always think of it the same as sort of category love as Lovejoy, a sort of yeah. pre-Watershed Sunday evening gentle. drama, gentle drama, but beautifully produced and acted. Mm. And, 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 and I, I saw a, a one recently, and what amazed me or not at the time was that in the cast, in supporting roles, were Pete Postlethwaite mm. and Julian Fellows, as rather a dodgy entrepreneur of one kind. Uh, of or a wine, another. Yes, yes, he was. Um, and it kind of brings it, really brought it home how the business is, how many strange things can happen to people. To beavering I've away. I've known Julian. I've actors. been Julian for years. I often bump into him. Oh, I'm still in downtown. You're still not <laughs> I think I'd be good in downtown, do not you? You're definitely. Yes. I can't think why he hasn't asked you. Maybe because you're too busy. I should think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. So tell us about the doctor's dilemma which you're doing. you mean, you mentioned. Shaw's reputation for, for Tidia, which I can't understand, and you can't either. But is it, I mean, what are the serious themes in the play, would you say?
1: Well, the serious theme, I mean, it's, it's a comedy about death, which is an extraordinary thing mm. for him to take on. I mean, I, if you see in the programme, William Archer said to him, you can't really be a, consider yourself a serious writer unless you've written a play about death. And he calls it a, com- a tragedy, but it is actually a comedy, of course. And uh, and to write a play where someone dies, and it's awful but funny, mm. is an extraordinary thing. And the great thing about Shaw, I think, you know, everyone now goes bangs on about, oh God, he thought Stalin was wonderful, and you know, rather sympathised with Mussolini in a way. And of course, he did. But he was an old man when all that happened, but the, the, his great failing as a moralist, but his great strength as a human being was he thought everybody was basically good. Mm-hmm. He thought human beings, humanity, was basically good. What, they, what went wrong was that it was, they were stupid, <laughs> and if only people weren't stupid, if they were educated properly, i.e. by Shaw, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. then you know the world would be a much happier place. So even the, 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 there are very few mm-hmm. villains uh, in Shaw. They're just rogues. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Doolittle in Pygmalion is the, is, is the, ob- the absolute, you know... And in, in our play, you know, Doobidat is borrowing money, lying, yes. unfaithful you know, <laughs> to his wife. I mean, all... But, you know, he's Shaw sure likes him
0: still. Well, I think he has such a particular almost contrary view of humankind, sure that he, 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 none of his characters are ever predictable. No,
1: and I, in a good Shaw production, as I sit there and watch
0: it and listen to it, I'm
1: going, mm. I, oh, I agree with that, oh, absolutely, mm. yeah. And then three minutes later, I'm going, oh, no, 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 I agree with that, actually. Yes. And oh, I, and somehow your brain is taking on a, 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 a very good rigorous exercise, uh, and you're laughing at the same time, mm. I think. I mean, in our play, I think the last act is a great surprise. I don't know how many of you have seen it, but you mm. know, there's a great confrontation between the two leading characters um, and, and a whole moral question about truth. How are, are you living a truthful life? Mm, mm. Which, of course, is what he gets from Ibsen, I think. You know. uh, and in that sort of, you know, uh,
0: uh,
1: that's what I like about him. I, I mean, it, it is, the, is
0: the, first of all, the, the fun of it, but it, it's about serious stuff. Mm. But the ideas sparkle, is not the dialogue? Everybody is highly articulate, so <laughs> yeah. you, everyone is able to express themselves brilliantly because they're all aspects of Shaw, presumably. The, the I characters. suppose so. I
1: mean, the other, the mm-hmm. other thing, important thing about it, as, as you know, as we, as we, we've been doing, no, is, is, is. I mean, he called his plays operas, and they're operas in the sense that you have to obey the music of them, which is the rhythm of them, and uh, if you get the rhythm of it wrong. Mm and it doesn't have enough vim and spirit, then the thing starts to yes. deflate. And uh, on, on a bad night, you can hear, you, if, if, if a line gets dropped or, or energy starts to... Mm. then you can feel the, sort of, the air going out of the thing. Um, and and he, if you, get the, he, you have to learn it absolutely precisely, because the, the rhythm, the way he lays it all out is so marvellous. You know, he used to read his plays mm. to his casts before they started rehearsing it so that they could hear the rhythm, I think. Um, and so, actually, what you're saying, of course, all, of them are, all, all the characters are aspects of him. Well, I suppose that's true of every writer. But, um, but you know, he knew how... But, you know, I don't play... There's, there's, something, there's nothing Irish about what I... I mean, mm. I'm an absolute establishment mm. in England, and he's got that awful sort of pompousness. Yes. Um, so.
0: and he's got it absolutely right. But you're you're almost sort of erect with self-satisfaction. Yeah, your Al, careful, it yeah. Makes it so, <laughs> this Makes it so wonderful. You know, just jaw-droppingly lovely to watch. And his phagicides, they tend to be his great. Yes, Sir. I gather
1: the, I gather mm. the science of the of the play is dodgy. <laughs> yes, I would have um, so. No, I don't just mean I just don't mm. mean the uh, mm. but I think the whole scientific uh, setup of positive mm-hmm. phases and negative phases, mm-hmm. which I think, sure, thought was scientific, isn't scientific.
0: So are there such things as phagicides? There right? is, no, phagocytes. Or sorry, K- the please. G is hard. <laughs> I think I think
1: there are. I think there are. I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's a term that used to be used, but no longer.
0: Right. And also, I have to say that for somebody whose sexuality was, well, if, if it's working at all, is <laughs> pretty low, the passion that the Dubodats and, indeed, uh, other characters in the play, Show It truly really gives a lie to that. I it's think so. Remarkably, you know, for... When was the play written? 1906, I think. 1906, Six 106 from? years old. Yes, we'd, we know what they've been getting up to, the Duvidants, oh, yeah. don't we? They can't keep their hands off no, each other. No, quite.
1: And, mm-hmm. you know, that's fantastic, especially with, you know, with the, with the, with the, the dryness of the doctors. mm mm-hmm. um, You know, the lines are like, you know, all professions are conspiracies against the laity. Yes. I mean, that's... A, you just go... That's nailed it. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And the, and the joke about the journalist. I mean, the, 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 yeah. you know, Sam brilliantly plays the journalist. I mean, just, it couldn't be, you know, after Leveson, I mean, it's just, it couldn't be more relevant.
0: Quite, quite. Now, on telly, we've seen you a lot recently, as I mentioned, the sort of Parade's End and the Shakespeare... I'm, I'm hardly ends. in Parade's End. <laughs> well, well I was, that was one of the points I was going to make, and wearing your equity hat, you might like to... Uh, comment on this, because I've been very struck recently. I suppose it was the producers of Poirot and Miss Marple that started it. But we're now, and Parade's End and the Shakespeare's were full of it, is this sort of luxury casting, whereby you hire leading actors to do relatively you know, minor roles in the uh, production, which makes me think, well, there must be a lot of very good actors out there who aren't names, but who could do equally as well. And there's something almost rather vulgar about this, you know, displaying all the big names you can attract to your drama. I mean, what's the kind of, what's the thinking behind this? The, the
1: thinking is there's not enough work. Mm-hmm. That's the thinking. So if you ring up a, to take a, an example, a, a great actress like Miranda Richardson and say, would you like to come and do a Tom Stoppard script? This is this, 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 and we'll pay you this. She'll go, yeah and you're going to be working with a very, very, very good director mm-hmm. and some very good actors. You go, yeah. Now, that would 30 years ago, that could not have happened because there was much, much, much more work around. There was more drama made on television, there were more films made, there was more theatre around, but work is shrinking. And uh, I, at the moment, I, you know, I worry that it's 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 going to continue shrinking because although all the cuts have been announced, I'm talking about theatre here, really. All the cuts have been announced, and most of them haven't even taken effect yet. And the other thing that's coming down the turnpike are the local authority cuts. I mean, some local authorities are going to ha- have to cut more or less all their arts funding. Mm. So theatres are going to close, companies are going to fold, and. Uh, so that I mean that is the basic reason, and of course it is slightly disconcerting to see whatever you go. Oh my goodness! And then it is very disconcerting, I suppose. But on the you know on the hand, if you're going to get Miranda Richardson to play a part, of
0: course you're going to get her because she's absolutely brilliant. Mm. Yes, it's uh, one agrees with that. One enjoys seeing those people all together. It's a kind of, it's it's a, it's a treat really. But I just, it's the. It's the the relatively unsung actors, I feel sorry for, who could do just as good a job, I'm sure, in those sorts of parts. And it just seems... It, it's distracting. You don't, you, can't, mm-hmm. you don't associate those leading actors with those relatively, you know... Um, no, it's true, but I mean, are, I mean, you know,
1: because I, I loved acting when I was little. You know, I'd note all the, like, mm-hmm. the actors who played the smaller yes. parts. You know, I remember an actor called Wensley Pithy. You oh, remember? yes, I remember. Wonderful Wensley Pithy. And I always remember being slightly shocked, because he was in The Crucible about 25 years ago at the Young Vic. Uh, playing old Giles. And I always remember him coming into the, gr- into the bar afterwards, and I thought, well, there's Winsley Pithy. I've seen him in so many films playing little parts, being terribly funny, and what a marvellous actor. And I heard him mutter to another actor, are there any casting directors in?
0: <laughs> and I went, oh, God, he was then in his seventies. I thought, yes. does it never ever stop? <laughs> no. So never. did you did you have sort of idols? Uh, well, you mentioned Thorley Walters and Raymond Hunt. Yeah, and I loved all those mm. people. I mean, you know, obviously, of course, you know, I loved Olivier,
1: and mm-hmm. I was, you know, I'm, I was lucky enough to see him on stage and all of that, and uh, and O'Toole, I was a great admirer of. Mm-hmm. Um, but then people like Alan Baddell. Yes. I always liked uh, I always liked actors I thought were dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and it had a spark of sort of mm, about them, devilry, mm. and Bedell had it. And I uh, can't think who else, really. And, of course, you know, obviously the Judy Denchers and the Maggie Smiths, of course. Um, oh, I can't think of the handout.
0: No, well, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> As you say, it's, uh, obviously, you don't like actors who want to be loved. But no. you do like actors who? No, I
1: remember once seeing a production of *The Devil's Disciple*, whose the name should I be? Ma- I won't mm-hmm. mention the name. Uh, and a leading actor playing uh, Dudgeon, Dick Dudgeon, you know. And
0: he came on, sort of almost flirted with the audience. And I went, I found that repellent. Actually. Well, I suppose it's a funny uh, sort of. Mixed thing that an actor has with an audience. You you want to please, but you don't want to be seen to be the to please too much in a way. Well, Edith Evans had that great mm-hmm. thing. This is about playing comedy. She said, it's a game, and the, you
1: the audience know you're playing a game. You know you're playing a game, but you lose the game if you ever betray the fact that you're playing a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I and I re- think I, if you can follow all that through, yes. I think that I mean I, that's the great thing. If for a minute an actor clocks the, you know, depending on the play they're in, of course. You know, it betrays the fact that they're in a play, or however out- outrageous the stuff they're doing, then they've lost the game.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: and the audience play their part because if you are doing your job well enough, and the writing is good enough, and it looks smart enough, they are willing to suspend their disbelief, mm. even they, even though they know it's all pretence. Yes. And they're ready to hot laugh and burst into tears, and you know, as we are when we're in the audience. Mm. And I mean, that's the fun of it.
0: Now, let's, I mean, how did the equity thing come about for you? I mean, because uh, the system is that every show has an equity deputy, yes. is that right? Who yes. is responsible for, if any, whatever issues are between the yeah. cast and the management. So were you always somebody who kind of spoke up and said... When well, I did, I House was an and equity deputy. An equity deputy doesn't have mm-hmm. to do too
1: much. Depen- like here, we don't have to do too much as equity. deputy because the place is well run and they mm-hmm. respect our, con- our, our contracts. But if you're working with some... Jesus, then you have to be much more on, on the key vive. And I'd done it, and then I, I, I had time to do it. I don't have a family. So I had, time, I had time to put into all of this. And then I was, uh, the, the biggest equity debt job, the, we toured Richard III uh, from here, all over America for four months. Uh, big company, and with Ian McKellen leading us. And um, I, Charlotte Cornwall mm-hmm. and I, were the two equity debtors. And she sorted of was Rosa Luxemburg, and I was Lord Carrington. <laughs> <laughs> and she would she would get angry and angry because there were some issues about uh, about our treatment out there. And so mm. and I you know she'd get furious and furious and furious. And I go, I think what Charlotte's trying to say is, <laughs> and, uh, and so that's how we sort of worked it. Mm. And we and, and the fact that we got some stuff done, which meant that the people we were working with got the what they were entitled to, was extremely satisfying. And and I, I, I and it was then I thought, no, no, I can do this because I you know i and it is you know when you go into meetings with salt you know the Society of London yeah. theaters to talk about the West End contract, the fact that I going back to what we were talking about before, but the fact that I do work gives it's a terrible thing to say gives me an the edge over some other actors who who might be there who haven't worked for them and it it just is a question of you know. It's a terrible thing when it's a question in English society, but in, in our in our business, it, one is for potential. When you meet potential employers, the instinct is to defer mm. to directors, to producers. The in, of course it's because you want them to employ you, and if that carries on into negotiations, then you're in big trouble. That's why the staff do most of the negotiating because they're not going to be employed by. Um, uh, by 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 the producers, but that but that, you know, that, so, and to be able to argue and when you and a lot of the producers are, are, are very terrifically good people and once you put the argument to them, they go oh, yeah I do see that we hadn't quite seen that. Sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: but when did I must pour you a cup of tea? Oh, yeah, you must be parched. This is is safe not it? I. You're a milking first. Sort yeah, of I'm first. a milking first. Yes. Here we go. Oh. oh. There we are. Help yourself to a biscuit. Thank so you, old no, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not too many of the chocolates I've got my eye on. So, but when did you take the decision to go from being an equity debt to being president of the? Union? Well, I
1: was—I—I I joined the council. I was on the council about four, five, six years, and then, uh, and then I was a vice president, which is—we don't do much then. And then, um, uh, and then I thought I would stand mm-hmm. because I thought, as I said to. Graham Hamilton, who was the president before me, a, 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 a terrific guy, and I said, look, Graham, I, I'm going to stand now. He said, why? I said, because I'm working at the moment, and I think it will be useful. And he said, but why, why do you have to do it now? I said, because if I get to do it in two years... Thanks. I said, if I do it in two years, the phone might stop ringing. Because, you know, the phone... You never retire. The phone just stops ringing. Um, and I, I, you know, I just thought, strike while the iron is hot. And um, it's not for me to say whether it means success or not. I think, I think I've done a good job, but, um, you know, I get a kick out of it. Hmm. I do, I get a kick out of it.
0: So did you stand on a particular ticket then? Like, I will do this and I will do that, and trust me... No, because
1: I'm very pleased to say the days of great factions in equity has gone. I mean, you know, I, when, we, when, we, when I was starting, you know, we used to... There used to be the, the Workers' Revolutionary Party and the Socialist Workers' Party, and then on, the, on one side, and then on the other side, there would be all the West End actors, the Marius Goring's, And, all. Mm-hmm. and it, there's this terrible divide and this terrible rowing that went on. And all that, thank God, has disappeared. Mm. So uh, the great philosophical... I'm mean, putting it rather grandly. Uh, the great debate whether we are a trade union or a professional association has gone. We are a trade union. And so uh, the issues that we are dealing with are issues about, about how we manage to uh, maximize our power in an industry which is changing and changing faster than we can yes. possibly predict. Uh, and so, and so if, if I had any pitch, the pitch was that I'm in the middle of this industry and I, can, I know what is going on better than someone who perhaps is no longer uh, as close to the middle of the industry as, as I am.
0: I mean, what is the, the main issues now then? You say the industry is changing very quickly, not necessarily for the better. What are the areas that you're most concerned in?
1: Well, there, are t- there is, there's two. The, the financial uh, concerns mm. are getting paid for the work we do w- when it's shown all over the world mm. on cable or on your phone or on, on your iPad or how do we get paid for that? How do we get the contracts organised so that we get paid? The other thing is opportunities for work. Um, I mean, the most obvious one, and it's been in the news, is why, why do actors over 40 suddenly disappear from our screens or from our stages? I mean, that's, that's it's sort of jaw-dropping. And so that's a big campaign. Mm. There's also a campaign with inequity is we don't have enough Equity is quite a white union.
0: And uh, that has got to be addressed, I think. Um, uh, It's interesting, because I remember talking to Richard Griffiths about his saga, Apropos, Pie in the Sky, Mm -hmm. of trying to get some money out of whoever it is owned the rights or owned the licence for the series. Um, And I think you finally agreed a sort of... um, Settlement with yeah. whoever it was he'd tracked down, but there was the most extraordinary thing. The, the
1: thing was the thing was sold on and on and on mm. to company after company after company And then, you know, I'd be I'd mm. someone would be, I'd be you know record shop in, in London, so and <laughs> someone a and a very nice Canadian lady said, Oh, we saw you on a cable channel in Ottawa. And I thought, really? Well am, am I? and of course I went, Am I getting any money
0: for that? <laughs> well, quite. And what do you get? I'm not asking in particular, but in general, do actors get those sort of re, those residuals? Residual. I believe, now,
1: what we the, get, what we what we have set up, what most actors' unions now, have, we have a, a collecting society. It's called the British Equity Collecting Society, or BECS. Mm-hmm. And they're in charge, of, and all, uh, most uh, jurisdictions, most countries have these collecting societies, and they monitor what is going on in mm-hmm. their countries. And because it's all on computer now, and the moment we get a, a, a breakdown of a programme and its cast, that goes out all over the world. So that they can monitor what what is going on mm-hmm. and can report back, and then there are buy- fees that come in to us to Beck's, and, they, and Beck's then distributes it to all the actors.
0: Because you're, I mean, it, individual actors, they would, their fee would be negotiated by either their agent or the casting director, of whatever yeah. it might be. You're dealing in more sort of general terms, aren't more you? More
1: buyouts. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, much larger, larger sums of money, which buy the rights to the whole thing without bothering about the individual contracts within them. But, of course, the fact that they're being bought are b- is because of the professional contribution mm-hmm. of people like me, and directors and lighting people. And so we've got to get some money for that.
0: <laughs> and how's the, how's the battle going, then? Oh, all right, we just, we, mm-hmm. just send,
1: we just send out, with the help of our American friends, we've been going to the Hollywood studios because they've been miscalculating what they pay us. <laughs> and um, we've sent some people out there, and we've got about... A couple of million quid out. There. Mm.
0: So, what about some of the other? You mentioned that when people turn forty, they disappear from. Yeah, particularly women. Mm. You know. Um, so, what can equity do about that? Well,
1: I mean, equity can't tell tell people what to do. First, equity, first of all, can point this out. And it's quite interesting that we pointed it out to here in Nick's. Uh, of course, here they do something about it. Mm. So, in Tymon, three characters yes, are uh, no longer men; they are women, mm. old women so he does that i mean the the donmar they're doing it all female julia yes, julius Juli-
0: caesar julia caesar, <laughs> Julie caesar.
1: so um, you can do that mm-hmm. and it, you know you, I, I, if, if that is in the air if people are now discussing the fact that the, the why aren't we seeing older women on our screens for example that becomes part of we hope the creative process mm-hmm. I mean, you can't tell people and you can also say to uh, if these places are being publicly funded you can say no look i think when you one of the you should be making sure that when you publicly fund these places that they are not not employing a whole group of extremely important people, and extremely targeted people, quite mm. above else. Um, so that's what we do. Um, you know, wh- all one can do is argue and try and persuade. I mean, sometimes one can try and put the boot in, but I mean, one try and put the boot in about money and, and mm. things. Something like... Um, Representation, I mean, a uh, portrayal of, of older women, or older, older actors, anyway, that, that's difficult to put the boot in, but you have to keep on talking about it.
0: Yes, you have to keep you know, spreading the message, really, until they... I mean, what is it simply that people prefer to look at youthful good looks on television rather than, you know, lived-in faces? Well, you, you may say that, but there's a p- plenty of actors like
1: me on television. I mean, you know, I've passed my, you know, my my golden <laughs> days, if I ever had them. Um, you know, it's it's not just uh, it's, but it, it's women. I don't know, mm. I and mean, it's a, it's a terrible. You see on news program, you can have some awful old duffer, mm. the man, with next to a dolly bird, mm. but you, but you can't have it. The, why can't you have it the other way other around? Way, yes. uh, it, and it's just something in our culture mm. that you. And I think the moment people become aware of it, people just accept it without thinking about it, and. Um, but the moment we become aware of them, things may may change.
0: So, has Equity recovered from the loss of the closed shop some years ago? Now, so it has. I mean, our
1: membership is going up. I mean, mm. it's still it's still difficult, uh, and I regret that the abolition of the closed shop, and not only because it's made the union less powerful, but because I also think it's. I think it's been. I don't think it's been good for the acting profession as a keeping up its standards. If I'm absolutely honest. Mm. Um, uh, but anyway, there's, there's no point in talking about that because it's never going to come back because there's no political party that will ever go to an election fighting for it. And it's very interesting, you know, being with, our, uh, talking to our American friends in, in SAG and in American Equity because they are more powerful and the close chop is equally illegal there. But of course they get round it because they have for health insurance. And the moment you offer health insurance, it means everybody signs up. Mm-hmm. And the moment every actor has signed up to either SAG or the American Equity of its theatre, then, of course, you have a huge clout because you can start organising them. Now, here, we don't offer... Obviously, we don't offer health insurance because there's a national health service. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a fighting all the time to persuade people to sign up. And it is a sacrifice. They have to make a financial sacrifice, and it's... And to, uh, often they might not need the union, but the whole moral point of paying your dues is not just so it'll look after you, but it'll look after someone who's you know no well, man
0: is an island. Uh, yes, and there also there will be occasions when you need the support of Certainly. the union. Listen, the, the union got me twenty thousand pounds
1: for for my for something in James Bond, and I went. They got me twenty grand because a scene I was in was used by an Omega watch advert without without approval mm-hmm. and it took them a year to get it and I got 20 grand and I, this is before I was even really associated with it and I said to the man I said do I owe you any commission and he said
0: no you pay your dues and I thought that's an organization I want to be part mm-hmm. of so people can just come into the profession and start hopefully making their way in it without actually being equity men so oh, the old system yeah, of equity oh, cards yeah. being no oh,
1: no no and also there's some mm-hmm. you know there's some quite there's some successful actors who don't belong, Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that's quite useful, because I bump into them. (laughs) (laughs) And that one who should be named said, oh,
0: yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, I will do it, I will do it. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a fascinating, most enjoyable session. Let's thank Mr. President Malcolm Sinclair.